Welcome to the Brookwood Church Sunday Message Podcast. On this episode, we are starting a new series called Who is Jesus? And our senior pastor, Perry Duggar, is leading us into this first message together. If you want to watch this message or listen to this week's worship, you can do so on our website, brookwoodchurch.org, or on our Brookwood Church app. We pray that this message encourages you in your walk with Christ. If I ask you to tell me who you are, what would you say? Y'all answer me. Who are you? Well, y'all say child of God here, but if you were asked that tomorrow at work, is that what you'd say? I don't want any religious answers just because y'all are at church. You see what I'm saying? Now, some of you would, some of you would, but many of us begin by naming our our jobs, our occupations. This morning, we'll begin a new series which will ask this question, who is Jesus? And some of us may say, well, I know the answer to that. Well, maybe we do and maybe we don't. Brad did a good job, didn't he, singing that last song, describing who Jesus is. And the Bible includes many names for Jesus, Old Testament and New. In fact, in one list, there was over 700 names. But in this series, I'll focus on seven word pictures or metaphors. What's the difference in a metaphor and a simile? Which one has like an as? Beautiful. Y'all are doing well this morning. And these are all, in this, in this series, I'm just touching these seven, but I'm doing it in six messages of images that Jesus used to describe himself only in the book of John. In fact, the book of John is probably the singular best book if you just want to know the identity of Jesus. Read the whole thing over and over. These references reveal to his hearers, Jesus' nature, his character, and his work. And they're unique because they begin with this phrase, I am. Now, the Jews to whom Jesus was speaking knew that I am was whose name? Was God's personal name. We say it is what? Yahweh in Hebrew. And it was first spoken to whom? Come on, y'all are doing pretty well. To Moses at the burning bush, Exodus 3, 14. Now, I am, and you can take out your message guide. There's a little bit of information there. I am, and it also says in that passage, I am that I am, or I will be what I will be. The principle is that God, Yahweh, now you see Y-H-W-H because there are no vowels in Hebrew, means the self-existent. 
self-sufficient, ever-present one. And it's transliterated to be Yahweh. We aren't sure what the vowels are. In the King James, what name is used? Jehovah. And theologically, it is called, these four letters are called what? Who said that? Let me see that hand. Yes, tetragrammaton. Y'all need to know that one. Throw that around at work next. <laughs> and tetra means four. So tetragrammaton is a four-letter word. But in most of our English translations, you see the word Lord, but all small capitals. And so when you see that in the scripture, it's actually the personal name of God, which we pronounce as Yahweh or Jehovah. Now, when Jesus said, I am, he was identifying himself as divine, as God. And so we turn first to the image, the first one in John chapter six, turning your Bibles there to John chapter six or your smartphones or whatever you're using. The Bible uh, translation that we sell, John chapter six is on page 852-57. And the first image and the theme verse from today is found at verse 35. Jesus replied, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. Now, bread was the ordinary staple of the Jewish people in Galilee and in Judea in the first century. And they did have fish, yes, and some vegetables. They would use those things to supplement occasionally. But most of these people survived on bread. And it, it looked very similar to this. This bread is uh, baked by Desiree Fisher in our church and her team. In fact, y'all may not know this, but every time we have the Lord's Supper, the bread is made by this team and is put in those little sacks for you. But they would eat bread very similar to this. I don't know what the people who couldn't take gluten, what they did. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> well, yes, I think you wouldn't starve. I think you'd eat gluten and scratch or whatever you did. Or, or, but <laughs> I don't know. we have so many allergies today. I don't know. Y'all, first of all, y'all are too clean. That's why, you, you know. Quit taking a bath so much and you'll lose some of these allergies. But I've been gone a while. Y'all forgot what humor sounds like. What's going on? What are these guys? When Jesus referred to this bread, he meant more though than simply baked dough made from flour, water, salt, and yeast. He actually meant sustenance in all its forms. In fact, some translations don't say bread, they say meat. Because Jesus is saying, I provide all the nourishment necessary to support life. All of it. 
So Jesus was declaring himself divine. And he was saying that he provides, he's the source of everything we need to live. Now that sort of shatters our idea that we have all these categories of life. And Jesus is over here in the religious box. But job, family, everything else is other than him. That's not what Jesus says. Jesus says he sustains everything. Now, the background of John chapter 6, and I urge you, read this whole chapter. Wonderful chapter. It's a wonderful theological chapter. In the beginning of John 6, I won't read all this, but the first four verses talk about Jesus. A crowd has gathered because they heard and then they saw Jesus performing these miraculous healings of people. So they were gathering to watch or to be healed themselves. Now, mealtime arrived and they were far from town and there were no convenience stores. There was no fast food. They had nothing to eat and there was 5,000 men. Do you realize that in that story? That's only the number of men. There were also women, there were also children. So the actual crowd may have been two or three times the 5,000. And so Jesus and the disciples fed these people using what? Five barley loaves and two sardines. Five biscuits and two sardines. Wasn't much because remember it's one boy's lunch. John chapter six, five through 11. After this occurred, the disciples wanted to get away from the crowd. They got into a boat. They crossed the Sea of Galilee, which is really a, a freshwater lake, to the town of Capernaum. Now, Jesus wasn't in the boat, but he joined them. And this is the passage where Jesus walked on the water to reach their boat. Later on, the people came across. They're still looking for him. And we move to John 6, 25. We pick up the text and it says this. Chapter 6, verse 25. They found him on the other side of the lake and they asked, Rabbi, when did you get here? Now they asked because they saw the disciples pull away in the boat and Jesus was not in the boat. And the lake is too large to walk around. And they just wondered. But Jesus didn't answer the question. Instead, he redirects the conversation because they were asking the wrong question. Because they were focusing on the wrong issue. Have you noticed that when you ask God questions, he often doesn't answer your question? He redirects the conversation or he responds with his own question of you. Because see, God's not caught up in meeting all those things we think we need. He might fulfill some of those things. But God is more focused on deepening our faith, on shaping our character, on strengthening our trust. And he often will not dialogue about these little things that we think will satisfy our lives. Far more important issues concern him. 
So this morning, we're going to learn from Jesus how to be sustained by God. And the first point is to pursue eternal life, not perishable things. Verse 26. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. You want to be with me because I fed you. Not because you understood the miraculous signs. The miraculous signs revealed what? Come on, don't y'all remember when I'm here, I ask you questions. They revealed what? Perhaps he's the Messiah. Perhaps he's the Messiah. But don't be concerned about perishable things like food. Spend your energy seeking the eternal life that the Son of Man can give you. For God the Father has given me the seal of his approval. See, Jesus identified the real reason all these people were following. What was it? What kind of food? Free food. Free food. See, for these people, obtaining food was difficult. Sometimes there wasn't enough food because of shortages caused by droughts. Other times, even when the food was plentiful, they couldn't afford it. So, so they were focused on getting this stuff for free. You know how, how y'all go crazy when there's a discount? How many of y'all line up on a, what is it? Thank, it's Thanksgiving, the night of Thanksgiving. Black Friday, Black Friday. Come on, how many of y'all get in line for Black Friday? I want to see some hands. I don't want any line on the, in here this morning. I'm back. They don't sell you the same stuff on Black Friday. Y'all know that, don't you? Oh, I'm getting a deal. I got a deal. And boy, if they throw out the word free, y'all go into a frenzy. Well, that's what's happening here. These people are so focused on getting food for free that they have overlooked the identity of this man. He might be the long-awaited Messiah sent from God. Now, which is more important? What about us? Are we more concerned with having God solve our problems or supply some need that we think we have than we are knowing him and experiencing eternal life. Which one gets your attention? See, Scripture says if we seek God first, he will supply the other needs. Look at this verse, Matthew chapter 6. So don't worry about these things saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. That means they shouldn't be dominating our thoughts. But your heavenly father already knows your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else. Live righteously 
and he will give you everything you need. Do you believe that? Well, then why do you live as though you don't? Do we spend our time trying to make a living or improve the living so that we hardly have time to invest in eternity? We may have some misplaced priorities, huh? Because if we really believe that verse, then the first priority is pursuing God. The secondary, tertiary priorities are making a living. See, I'm afraid that we let the immediate and the urgent distract us from what's truly and what's eternally important. Another way to be sustained by God is to practice faith. Don't demand proof. Practice faith. Verse 28. They replied, we want to perform God's works too. What should we do? And Jesus told them, this is the only work God wants from you. Believe in the one he has sent. See, to these Jewish hearers, obtaining eternal life consisted of performing works of righteousness that would please God. Their whole faith was doing the right things. You know, every cult has that as the same basis. Do the right things for salvation. That's not Christianity's essence. And their question implied that they thought they could and they must satisfy God's requirements through their own efforts, right? And we fall prey to that sometimes. Jot these down, Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, Titus 3, 4 and 5, read them. And they answered at verse 30. Well, then why don't you show us a miraculous sign if you want us to believe in you? What can you do? Now, isn't that puzzling? Because they had just seen the miracle of the loaves and fishes, hadn't they? They had just seen Jesus feed at least 10,000 people, I suppose, with five biscuits and two sardines. But rather than believing based on what they'd already observed and even how they had already benefited, they demanded more proof, another miracle. And they had a specific one in mind. Some of us behave the same way, don't we? Rather than trust in Jesus based on what we've already seen and heard, how we've already been blessed, we want him to fix a specific problem. Now, usually it's one we created. 
We want him to find the job. We want him to heal the illness. We want him to repair the relationship. Or we want him to perform some other supernatural act of our choosing before we trust him. Some of us right now are holding out on Christ because he hasn't done this thing that's necessary for us really to believe he cares. Anybody ever said that? I know not anybody in this service, but do you know anybody from the other service? Say it. If he cared about me, he would do this. Does that sound familiar to anybody? Come on now, let me see it. Let's testify a little bit in here. I'm not hearing too many talking this morning. What am I demanding from God before I believe in him? Before I trust him? What am I demanding from God before I sell out to him? A lot of them are crying. They just don't sound like. (laughs) Demanding further evidence from Jesus demonstrates doubt, not faith. I need something more. You've been born again. What could you need? Hebrews 11, 6, without faith, it's impossible to please God. And yet we're demanded some more proof. That's not faith, that's doubt. To be sustained by God, third, perceive a provision from God, not from people. Verse 31. After all, our ancestors ate manna while they journeyed through the wilderness. The scriptures say Moses gave them bread from heaven to eat. That's really not what the scriptures say, by the way. It's interesting how we sort of manipulate the scriptures around to our use. See, what did these people want him to do? They said, give us another miracle. But didn't they then name the miracle they wanted? They wanted a constant supply of this free food, this bread. Ongoing, like Moses did for 40 years, Moses fed these people in the wilderness. Now, anybody remember their attitude toward that food they got in the wilderness? They were complaining, they were griping. We are tired of this manna. So Jesus corrected their understanding of Moses as the provider. In verse 32, Jesus said, I tell you the truth, Moses didn't give you bread from heaven. My father did. And even now he offers you the true bread from heaven. The true bread of God is the one who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Do we know this? That God is the provider of all that we have. Do we know this? That you didn't provide it yourself. That 
You're not dependent on some other person and their favor to provide for you. That would really change how we approach our lives, wouldn't it? If we knew, uh, no, all that I have is from the hand of God. You see, if you have a really good job or a job at all, it's given to you by God from God. For his purposes, primarily, and then to feed your family secondarily. You know that? You're there on his assignment first because he put you there and he gave you that job. Furthermore, he gave you the ability to perform the job. Now look, look how differently we view our lives if we see what we have, who we are in that respect. And so Jesus explained that God, not Moses, provide the manna. And then he added that God provides something greater, true bread from heaven. Now these people exalt Moses, remember, in the law. They're not sure about this guy, Jesus, yet. And so he's really undermining Moses' status, which would have offended many of them. Because you see, they thought that this manna proved Moses' position and confirmed their right relationship with God. Now, the manna did sustain, you know what manna means in Hebrew? What is it? That's exactly what it means. What is it? <laughs> and then they'd say, what is it? And I don't much like it, you know. So the manna sustained their lives for 40 years, but the manna did not provide eternal life. And it did not even secure their relationship with God. Jesus was saying that being Jewish, that benefiting from the blessings of God wasn't sufficient. They needed to believe in him to be related to God, to receive eternal life. Well, how does that relate to us? You know, most of us aren't Jewish. Here's how it relates. Being part of this or any other church is not sufficient. Now, hopefully you'll benefit from what you learn and if you follow God's word, the truth will work in your relationships, in your life. And you might enjoy some friendships that you find here and you could feel some fulfillment from service. And those are all good things. They're, they're not, none of those are negative. They're all good things, but none of them are sufficient. You must be personally related to God by faith. Personally, individually, experientially by faith. 
Do you know God? I'm glad you're coming to church and some of you are serving and I hope all of you are giving and all those things are good. But do you know God? As he's revealed by Jesus, as he's made known by the Holy Spirit. Because that's the only way. We must partake of Jesus is the fourth point for permanent satisfaction. Now they heard what he said, but look at their response. Sir, give us that bread every day. They heard what he said, so they're asking for this wonder bread, for this miraculous bread, for this gluten-free bread. For this no calorie bread that doesn't add to the hips. This wonderful bread. That's what we want. We want that bread you're talking about. The bread from heaven. And Jesus' response surprised them. He says, I'm the bread. And whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. And whoever believes in me will never be thirsty Jesus claimed he could permanently satisfy the hunger and thirst of any person who came to him. Does that describe you? Are you hungry? Are you thirsty? Are you? Well, how do I know? Because you're living in this continual dissatisfaction. I'm dissatisfied with my life. I'm dissatisfied with my wife. I'm dissatisfied with my job. I'm dissatisfied with my health. I'm dissatisfied with my appearance. I'm dissatisfied with my bank account. I'm dissatisfied. Anybody identifying with any of that? I'm dissatisfied. And you, you think that that inner drive is telling you what you need to find peace and significance and satisfaction and security. And if you could just get this thing, you'd be content. Anybody know what this thing is in their life? If I can just get this thing, thing. Nothing this world offers provides lasting peace or satisfaction. Did you hear that? No new spouse, no new house, no new car, no tuck of any kind. No plugs, no rejuvenations, nothing in this world will satisfy that hunger. Nothing in this world will slake that thirst. It will only be found 
in intimacy with Jesus Christ. In understanding who you are in him. In understanding your significance comes from your connection to him. And who you are must be based on what God thinks of you. Do you know what God thinks of you? I don't, talk, I don't mean a theological Bible story answer. I mean you have personally heard what he thinks of you. God's talking. Are you listening? Blaise Pascal, a theologian, philosopher, said that in, in every person is a God-shaped vacuum. And that void can only be satisfied in knowing your creator who's revealed in Jesus Christ. I tell you the truth, Jesus said, 47. Anyone who believes has eternal life. Yes, I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate manna in the desert and they all died. But anyone who eats the bread from heaven will never die. And I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Anyone who eats this bread will live forever. Well, how do you eat the bread of Christ, the bread of life. It means accepting Jesus into your life so that he actually becomes part of you. Ingesting continually his word, experiencing his presence, growing in intimacy. Second Peter 1 Peter 1.3 says, by his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. And we have received all of this by coming to know him. The one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. Jesus offers himself And if we'll eat from him, he will sustain us. But let me tell you, there's another part of this. He sustains us so we can participate in sustaining each other through intentional, practical, sacrificial expressions of love. You know, we've inserted today the opportunity to help sustain people physically, locally, and also in India. There's a list of things for the food drive. I urge you to participate 
in meeting these needs on behalf of Christ, to open the door for Christ in these lives. But also, let me tell you, I mentioned it last week, this Rice for Life opportunity. I told you that our church supports 1,000 children through our budget. But there are now 10,000 of these untouchables. Untouchables cannot be educated, and so there are very few jobs available. Praveen Chekavarte isn't recruiting more and more children. They're just showing because he offers hope. But he can't feed these this many. But we can. There are enough of us to do it. You know, last week I announced it, and some of you, I think someone showed up with a bag of rice here. <laughs> We're not shipping it. We're asking you to pay for it. $20 for one bag of rice, one 50-pound bag of rice. But we need 2,067 bags every month for these children to eat one time, one time. I'm asking you to sacrifice. Leave off some Starbucks. I think every one of us can provide one bag of rice every month. And here's how you do it. Take out your phone and text EATS. You could even do it right now. Now I don't mind. I like those phones at this. <laughs> text EATS to 91999 and it'll connect you in donating. Now I want you to donate once but I want you to donate every month, if you will, from now on, and I will too. We are feeding a group who can become an army for God in India. I want to close with this story. I was in seminary back in the late 80s. There were two men from India in school from a place called Nagaland. They were finishing school and going back to northern India where their lives were threatened by Hindus. We prayed for them and we loved these men. And they were going back potentially to sacrifice their lives for the cause of Christ. Leanne and I, you know, two weeks ago were on this wonderful Mediterranean cruise that the church that you gave us for our 25th anniversary. And our room steward had a cross tattooed on his hand. And I said, are you a believer? He said, yes, I'm a Christian. And I said, from where? And he said, Nagaland. And I said, you know, I knew two men many years ago that were pastors in Nagaland. They went back under threat of death. And he said, today, over 90% of the people are Christian. The remaining 10% are animist or some Muslim, some Hindu, but all less than 10% and many others. God is still at work. We can sustain physically these children who might change a nation that is very dark.
I'm asking you to do it. I'll do it as well. Let your teenagers, if they can't afford a bag, let them combine on a bag. Let's do this, Brookwood. Christ sustains us. He's given us the funds that we have not to consume, but to generously, deliberately express faith in practic- through practical expressions. So text that. Text it right now. I'll close in prayer. Counselors, you come to the front. They'll be here to pray with you about how to receive Christ and receive eternal life. They'll pray with you for healing. Sometimes we do see miraculous healing because it's not miraculous for God. We just ask, and sometimes he answers that prayer with miraculous healing. So let me ask you, read over this. Please participate, but also figure out who in your life God has placed there for you to be intentional at helping sustain their lives, perhaps physically, but certainly spiritually. Father, we thank you for your provision for us, but help us, Lord, to see that our provision is always and only found in Christ who gives all so we can live godly in Christ Jesus. Amen. Thank you for coming. Here at Brookwood Church, our desire is to assist you in pursuing a relationship with Jesus so that you can experience transformed life. One of the ways that you can do that is by getting connected here at Brookwood. If you would like to know more about the many ways that you can connect with other Christians, or if you just have questions about who we are, you can email us at connections at brookwoodchurch.org or call us at 864-688-8326. You can also find our past messages on our website or on our Brookwood app. Thank you so much for listening and have a blessed day.